and welcome back to Second Operator, the podcast dedicated to portable synthesizers and dollless music. I'm your host, Shines. This is episode six. Wow, I don't know if it's just me, but these weeks are really flying by. It could also be the dad life. Um, I don't know. I had a bunch of fun last Friday at the Meet and Bleep event in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I really enjoyed meeting some of you in person and handing out some of these Second Operator stickers to some of the new supporters of the show. Speaking of stickers, we do have a Patreon page up and all tiers, both the Pocket Operator tier and the Pro Operator tier, will receive a Second Operator sticker sent directly to your door. It will be a cool reminder of the community that you are helping to build. We're going to get to the news in just a second, then we're going to have a conversation with Pao from the Philippines, who goes by The Conspiracy Tapes on Instagram. We're going to talk about his musical inspirations, his background, and all the different instruments that he's plugged into his OP1. So as you all know, if you've listened to last week's episode, Super Booth 2023 is taking place this week in Berlin, and it's not slated to start until tomorrow, but... We've already got a whole slew of stories, new synthesizers, and just some really interesting stuff that started to happen. So our very first topic is actually going to be an oldie but goodie, the Korg Micro Korg. It's the 20th anniversary of the beloved synthesizer, the Micro Korg. Many listeners, and uh, I'm sure a lot of you out there, it's probably your first synthesizer. A lot of folks that I've had on the show have told me that. Um, in fact, it was actually my first synthesizer. So there, uh, excuse me. It was actually my first synthesizer that I ever played with. So I think it's a first for a lot of us here. But Korg is reissuing the Korg Micro Korg in a crystal encasing. It's, cord- it's called the Micro Korg Crystal and... It's kind of like Pepsi before it, um, but they decided to put it in this beautiful see-through casing. Light can shine through it. I'm sure it will look absolutely incredible on stage with a bunch of lights. Once it's out there in the world, I hope to see it in a lot of your jams. Moving on to our second news topic, the Norand Mono Mark II was teased this week. I believe it is not quite out yet, but it will be soon. This is a dual oscillator analog mono synthesizer. Uh, It's got two oscillators that you can detune independently. I believe it's got some FM synthesis stuff built into it as well. It just seems to be a super unique mono synthesizer it's a obviously it's a desktop unit here and it sports some pretty unique pads apparently um, according to their website they have pressure sensitivity so i guess that's kind of like your aftertouch and stuff like that but either way it just seems kind of cool the pads look like they light up it sports a really awesome synth uh, sequencer apparently it's got a bunch of modulations in its synthesis engine and you can do some really interesting textural stuff you can also get fat bass lines and like i said before fm stuff out of it really really interesting stuff check out norand.io for more information on this new mono synth speaking of new synthesizers acoustic synthesis is coming to korg though it's still far from finished korg berlin which is a sort of R&D department for the Japan-based instrument company, is showing off a brand new acoustic synthesis engine at Superbooth this year. Something to look forward to uh, between tomorrow and over the weekend. It kind of looks like a music box. Apparently, it's going to use actual moving physical pieces inside to generate twangs, hits, and other interesting sounds from within. I'm wondering if you need to, like, tune it 
or what the long-term care for all the little pieces are going to be. But either way, that's really exciting to hear. Real acoustic sounds that you can then mess with is exactly the kind of thing that we like to see on this channel here. And hopefully this will not only be a Eurorack module or rack mounted thing. Hopefully they'll make a small mini log or not really sure what they would call it, the acoustic log or something. Hopefully we'll get another desktop synthesizer from Korg about that, which is pretty awesome. We've actually talked a little bit about blending organic stuff with synthesis. For example, we talked about the drums and micro freak combination with Ella Violet in episode four. But now we're actually gonna talk about something similar. We're actually gonna talk about the blend of guitar with OP1 with this week's guest, the Conspiracy Tapes. Glitchy, noisy, and mysterious is how I would describe his music, and I cannot wait to get into his process. Welcome to the show, pal. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Awesome. Like, I, just got off, I just got off work um, about an hour ago, so it's already, I don't know, like seven in the morning here in Manila. That's right. You work, <laughs> you work the late shift, and uh, honestly, yeah. that is... I can't imagine what that must be like to 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 end work and it be morning. Um, do, does does it help with like creative inspiration? I, I feel like I write a lot of really good stuff at four a.m. if I'm up then. Yeah, like um, to me, it's it, it's just like I, I usually work at night, um, especially like when I write music. Everything comes in like you know when when it's all silent and no one's like you know no no one's like disturbing you or whatever so yeah so yeah uh i'm kind of like a night person too ever since so i like it that's yeah. awesome and, and who's who's your who's your kitty uh this one is charlie hey charlie <laughs> we um for the listeners out there we have a very adorable very fluffy looking um kitty cat on the screen right now what, what kind of cat so, is that <laughs> persian wow yeah, he's pissed Oh, he looks a little angry. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, way to represent the Depeche Mode t-shirt, man. I'm a big fan of their work. Um, really Actually, awesome. It's, it's like a mix of all three of them. Like Depeche Mode, and then you got Joy Division, and then you got The Cure. Oh, intro oh, so it's a kind of like an amalgamation shirt. I love it. I, I, lo I think that's awesome, man. I just, you know, big, big fan of Depeche Mode. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to your shirt. Mine, like, had it printed and like he 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 makes these really weird shirts of yeah. like you know um a bunch of bands like all jammed up together oh that's and, awesome yeah. <laughs> oh so a friend of yours made that shirt yeah like he's he's got an instagram page um you want shout, shout him it. out man yeah actually do, do you know it off my heart <laughs> i think it's uh the name is jolly vintage um, jolly vintage yeah. okay yeah, cool that's the name, but, dude i'm uh, excited that's that is super cool i might have to check out some of his uh some of the stuff he's got up I'll send some your way um, next time around. Nice. Probably, you know, your shirts are, and I'll get you one of these, too. <laughs> nice, dude. <laughs> um, well, actually, let's go ahead and get started with the interview, man. I'm sorry we had a couple, a little bit of a, of a glitch in the beginning here, but I'm sure, you know, now, now you're here. So this is going to be, you know, we mm -hmm. can finally get into what you're into, which is pretty cool. Um, do you mind just kind of giving us a little bit of an introduction, your background in music, where you're from, and your current location? Sorry, it's a lot. <laughs> All right. So, um, in that same order? Okay. Doesn't matter. Uh, Any order is good. <laughs> so, let's start first with what got me into um, into music. Absolutely. It's actually um, my my mom's side, right? Um, a lot of my cousins um, and even like my 
my aunts, I mean, my, my uncles, um, they, they all play at least one instrument, primarily the piano, hmm. since my grandmother, um, my mom's mom, who just recently passed away, uh, oh, she's also a piano teacher, right? Okay. And then, um, what do you call this? So, it, it just happened to be that um, I, I, I never really got formal training hmm. um, in music, and at the same time, uh, I'm also one of my mom's biggest disappointments in terms of <laughs> no. me not being able to read notes. Oh no! <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So um, it, it's it's it, it's just weird because um, that's what actually got me into uh, experimental music eventually. Although my first instrument was um, the guitar, cool. and I think I was like seven years old at that time uh, when I first got an acoustic guitar, and then. Um, I got lessons, but it's not like a uh, music theory based type of lessons. It's like, uh, so what's your favorite song and um, what are you currently listening to? And then my, my guitar instructor then would, would check out the chords for it. Cool. And then he'll try and um, teach me the different scales and all, like for example, or different keys, like mm -hmm. uh, you've got this song by Nirvana or whatever. Nice. And then um, it's in the key of like that. And then, uh, he'll teach me that key, and then after that, we'll move on to the next one. So basically, that's that's how it worked. Um, nice. And then uh, eventually, like when when I started writing my own music, um, it became harder for me to not be able to um, say continue or uh, it's like considering that you've, you've listened to a lot of um, music for your whole life. So you, you probably can figure out like which of um, the songs would, mm. or which of the chords would sound good. Right. Right. Like, right. For example, it's like E minor G or whatever. And then when I start writing my own music, my own songs, it's, it's hard for me to figure out what goes after which. Mm. And that way I'm not able to create a harmonic, um, you know, structure. Right. Chord progressions and such. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then it, um, it just came to a point where, and I was like, but I've got, I'm, I'm listening to other bands where, and they, they just really don't make sense at all. And it's really nice. <laughs> or mu musically but, yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. 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 Like, for example, um, my, my entry into uh, dissonant music would be Sonic Youth, right? And then uh, I, I would notice, like, why in the hell are they, like, changing guitars um, when I saw them live back in 96 nice. uh, here in Manila? I was like, why in the hell are they changing guitars, like, every freaking song, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then only to find out that... I mean, since uh, that that time, there wasn't a, there wasn't internet yet, right? And you'd only rely on like magazines and whatnot. Right. And then right. like uh, Thurston Moore and like Tim Gordon and um, uh, Lee Ronaldo's got like twenty guitars in each you know concert because they've all got different tunings for each and every song. Interesting. And I was like, I'll play it tunings. All right. So what is that, right? And then cool. that's what got me into. Um, not conforming into like a specific standard when right, it comes not to the conventional musical theory or yeah. rules or whatnot. Yeah. So there, and then eventually, um, I learned about, uh, what do you call this? Like avant-garde type of music, like John Cage, for instance, uh, uh, Pauline Oliveros and, um, a bunch of others who would go into say, uh, electroacoustic type of, you know, 
um, type of instruments. And then eventually that, that what, that's what led me into uh, modular synth. But then before that, mm-hmm. it was the OP1. That was, that was like the gateway. The gateway was <laughs> OP1. Interesting. A lot of folks, yeah. That's what that's what really got me into um, electronic music. Uh, because right um, when, when I got the OP1, it just opened up the floodgates. I was like, what is an LFO? And then, you know, when you Google it, you just realize that, oh my God, there's like, an, you know, like a different world out there when it comes to um, electronic music and yeah. Yeah. So OP1 was your first synthesizer? Um, actually like what got, that's what got me into modular. But then prior to that, um, I had a little bulk of phase, right? Um, oh no, hold on. Wait, that was, wait, I got into, I mean, I got a monotribe first. I don't know if you remember, um, the monotribe. It's also by Korg, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've it's heard like, of monotribe before. Cool. That one. And then, um, and then eventually the Volkas and then the OP1. So you were teaching yourself, um, so you were learning guitar to begin with, but then I take it at some point, did you kind of switch into piano and then that's what led to synthesizers? Mm, well, my fascination with the keyboard would like come and go. And only because I don't know how to play the piano. Like I know what would sound good and then there'd be instances wherein oh if i play all the black keys that sounds that sounds really cool and i can just play the black keys and that's it but then when you mix in the whites it's like you know it sounds weird now yeah but i like weird so <laughs> and then that eventually when 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 i got into using um what do you call this uh ableton okay. i learned about uh the different types of um what do you call this uh midi effects mm-hmm. that you can just plug in a scale MIDI effect and regardless, whatever key you press, it'll still, you know, resolve itself. Right. It's like, uh, was it key quantization? I think that's what it's called. Right. <laughs> it's a cheat code. It is a little bit so, of a yeah. cheat code. Yeah. <laughs> I need one for a uh, violin. <laughs> so there. That's awesome. Um, it's, it's funny that um, you started in Dallas, and then you went to a DAW afterwards. Usually with folks, it's the other way around. They get sick of a computer screen right. and then they get an OP1. It seems like you kind of like right off the bat, you're like, I'm going hardware. And then, you know, getting right. into DAWs afterwards. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, like for me, it's it's always been um, hardware first hmm. because of guitar pedals. Because of guitar pedals. Nice. That's what, you know, I mean, um, and then after that, when when I started looking into uh, boutique pedals and um, one of the like, there was this phase wherein I would always be on Etsy, checking mm-hmm. out like um, these uh, mom and pop shops, like building their own pedals, like oh, you know DIY um, stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. like one man operation type of thing. Oh. And then uh, eventually that that led me into. Um, getting cord uh yeah like the monotribe and nice. and all those so then it was like purely hardware 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 and then when i started recording um you know the, the stuff that i make and that's when i got into um learning you know ableton and like an act the, the, the doll world. world so you were were you plugging your monotribe into these pedals to see what to kind of experiment with them 
Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really heavy into um, into guitar pedals. Like, I'd have like say um, one one delay pedal and like one reverb nice. pedal, and you know, like um, the distortion mm-hmm. or a fuzz or whatever. And then, um, and then after that, I would just like you know switch uh, switch it up once in a while, like put the distortion, every put the reverb first before you know. And then after that, um, when I discovered BSTs. Uh, I was like, oh my god, that, that's that's really cool. I mean, um, I wouldn't have to spend that much on you know on getting effects since um, Ableton can you know can literally right. You do can add all the VSTs in then, course, digitally and yeah. then kind of mess with your sound and or really experiment with your sound that way. So when you create music, yeah. sorry, go ahead. So, when you create music yeah. now, so, yeah. are you? Um, you know, making stuff in, mostly more in Ableton, or are you kind of using your OP1, OPZ? I, I, you know, I see a couple Dallas setups that you have. Which do you do you prefer Dallas over DAW full? I don't know what the difference is, but <laughs> um, normally, like mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm sitting in and you know, um, when I'm sitting down at my desk, I, w- I would have um, an H6, uh, a Zoom H6 recorder, um, because it's 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 i mean to me it's like you're able to commit to what you're playing right instead of like knowing that oh um i've got the computer and then i can like delete whatever or you know the undo button you're just kind of hovering over it during a performance yeah i know the feeling you know you just like um i don't like that so you like you know you hit stop and delete the whole thing all over again but then when you have when you have a recorder and you just hit record even when you're noodling around, um, you'll eventually come up with something, right? So I've got like um, folders upon folders of all these recorded materials that that um, that I'm that that I play like every single night. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I would just um, categorize them. You know, I mean, you have to learn how to properly archive your work, I just agree. so at least. Yep. When you go back to it again, you go like, "Oh, I've got something that sounds like that." And then, you know, it's easy for you to go back to it instead of like searching again, like, oh, when was that? Or, right. Or having you know, to listen to all of these files that yeah. are just named by dates or, you know, however Zoom does it. Um, that's actually pretty solid advice, man, for folks that are trying to get into, you know, making more music in the dollar sort of way is just, you know, if you have us, if you can get a small recorder to then commit these small one minute, two minute sessions in and not constantly have to worry about multi-tracking or undoing and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that would, you know, that really helps get those ideas and that creativity um, rolling. I'm real. I'm kind of curious as to how you categorize your recordings. Like, do you have a ranking system or do you categorize them by genre? Um. So like if, if say I, Normally, like my, my setup would be very minimal. Mm. Um, the only instruments that I use now, uh, for example, like um, in that album that, that I just recently recorded, uh, it was a mix of um, soft synths and also hardware stuff, right? Cool. Uh, for all for the um, for the noise tracks and the ambient tracks that I made, it was mostly um, an ALM uh, busy circuit system. Mm. Cool. Yeah, so that that was the first modular. Um, I mean, not. I think that that's the second modular rack that I had. And mm-hmm. then, um, what I would do is I would only use at least maybe 
like two to three instruments, right? Two to three instruments. And then I would record all three of them, like simultaneously, whatever it is that I'm playing, they're all in separate tracks, separate stereo tracks, or some of them in mono. Mm. Um, and then after that, say for like one, one whole hour, I'd, I'd be just noodling around playing whatever. Um, at the end of the day, I'd go back to it and then I'd chop up the different sections, ah. um, depending on, uh, like the speed, for example, or the tempo, and then some would be based on, um, the overall sound or the overall feel of it. And then that's when I just start labeling them. Like, for example, this would be like a good ambient pad, or this would sound like a good pluck, or this would sound like, you know, um, a good art or yeah so that that's that's i mean it's pretty simple um you just really have to um learn to be a bit disciplined because mm. uh i also had that phase where and i would just sit down and um turn all these knobs and then i'd notice that oh shit it's like four hours in already and i still haven't recorded you know anything at all i feel you there and yeah. that's like very disappointing because you know it's like you just feel so useless like what the hell did i just do right. you know, instead of like yeah. having a document right right no I, I like what you said about being disciplined i mean you really have to train yourself to commit to recording something mm -hmm. and, and letting that be your work for the day or letting that you know speak for the time that you've put into your instrument i think i i really like the word discipline there yeah that's really awesome man so how did you start um the, the instagram thing that you're currently doing so you've you've done some videos on there there's some tracks um you've got a really mm -hmm. kind of an interesting sort of look and feel to it but i'm curious as to what the um what, what's what was sort of the i guess the purpose or the creation of this this project that you're currently doing the uh, conspiracy tapes um all right so the, the the conspiracy tapes the name itself um came from uh my fascination when it comes to um the kind of i mean like information that's being withheld mm. by the powers to be so particularly governments right yeah um whenever they put out uh for example if um you'd request because I mean, there's this thing that that we call a uh, freedom of information whatever i think it's like the same with the u.s right where you can request for you know like official documents because they're all like all public record right right um and then when when they give it back to you whatever it is that you request for you'll end up seeing all these you know, redacted um, names and That's places and true. time and yeah. you know, whatever. So, yeah. And then um, that, that's what got me into it. And then I was like, Oh, that, that, that looks pretty cool. Like that would sound really nice. And then I, I went to, um, I checked Google mm -hmm. and then I was like bandnamevault.com or something. <laughs> and then I typed into conspiracy state and then there was like, no, 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 no artists, you know, nice. were found out like, all right, let me use that then. And then, yeah, that's, that's how it came about. Wow. Uh, also shout out to bandnamevaults.com. I've never heard of that <laughs> website and I'm yeah. going to start so many bands now, <laughs> now that I know that that exists. That's awesome. Right. Cool. Well, that is, that's fascinating, man. It's really, it's, it's fun to kind of get into your process and like actually kind of see behind the scenes a little bit because the, you know, not just the music that you create and we'll listen to one of your tracks here in just a second, but it's 
sort of a whole package from what I see, right? Like you've set out to create a concept called the conspiracy tapes. Your music is is glitchy. It's got some really interesting, noisy kind of grit to it. But your videos that you've posted as well, some of the reels and things like that on your Instagram account are also, you know, they fit right into the um, sort of the mystique of your project. And I, I really dig that. I think that's really cool. Um, I think we can listen to one of your OP1 and OPZ tracks. This is an excerpt because I believe the whole track is 11 minutes long. Um, <laughs> and when we come back, we can talk about maybe what you want to call this track or what what some of the ideas were that you were going for in this OPZ and OP1 track. Cool. Awesome. All right, we'll be right back. We're going to listen to the conspiracy tapes on Second Operator. cool and this yeah. one was like not even go ahead yeah you know it wasn't it wasn't even synchronized oh um, interesting <laughs> like yeah I, I mean um at that time i don't think i had um the op lab module oh, oh that's Is right that what so it's you're saying that the, the opz one? and the op1 were not synchronized together uh they weren't they right. weren't i was right. just like you know, I would hit play at the same time. Nice. You know, like if, if I'm able to like write um, the beat, for example, with the OPZ and then the melody um, with the OP1, like hit it, you know, hit play at the same time and hope for the best. <laughs> I love <laughs> so, that. Like, That's so cool. That's kind of old school. You know, it's almost like lining up yeah. two tape machines together and getting mm -hmm. them to go. That's interesting. I actually don't know if there is a way to synchronize the two of them. Does OPZ with the, the OP lab module, does it take like a click? Tempo yeah, input? yeah because, um, interesting. no, actually yeah. what I, yeah. what I would do is, um, the, the USB cable, um, coming from the, uh, what do you call this? Coming from the OPZ, I, I bought um, I bought a male to female uh, USB C to um, micro no no USB C to USB something like two point whatever. Okay. Uh, and connect that to the OP one. Oh. So now um, you're able to um, use the OP one as your master your master clock and um get it synchronized with with the opz cool so yeah oh that's awesome that. so uh, okay so so new new jams to come i think that that you, you'll have mm -hmm. you know that synchronization with i think your cat's getting very excited in the background here he must be a fan oh, yeah. of the opz <laughs> or cables there's actually 13 of them here at home so you yeah. said what 13 13 yeah Thir 13 cats <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> that is the most amount of cats, I believe, uh, to be on. Well, definitely on this podcast, but it might be on any <laughs> podcast in the world. I don't know. <laughs> you win the award, uh, well. pal, for the most cats on the podcast. Right. 
<laughs> oh, that's crazy. Okay, cool. So I, yeah, first of all, I didn't realize that they were not synchronized, the OPZ and the OP1, but I think that's awesome that you're creating beats with the OPZ and then filling in some of that melody and stuff. I heard um, sort of like a DJ scratch texture coming from one of the devices. Was that OPZ or was that from the OP1? I think that's from the Z because um, the knobs itself, mm-hmm. right? When we, I think that's like the tape effect, right? The tape mm-hmm. effect, um, when when you when you turn the knobs a little bit fast, it creates that you know it creates that sound. And when you're like pressing on, for example, like a uh, how do I say it? it's like, um, like a turntable like or a tape a, player or something, like a one hit snare, um, a snare hit, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you pitch it up and you pitch it down like really quick. I mean, quickly. And then that kind of sound will, will come out of it. Interesting. It's kind That's of becomes like a DJ scratch kind of sound. That's yeah. Cool. Okay. Interesting. I'll have to re-listen to that with fresh ears. Now that I know the thoughts and, you know, all the different layers that have gone into it. That's really awesome. One of my most favorite, um, what do you call this? Uh, Hacks though for for the OP one um, that I still use to this day uh, would be the um, the FM radio, right? And then I bought um, I bought these little uh, what do I, how do I say this? Uh, they're like radio um, transmitters. Okay. Right. And then um, you're gonna set a particular station on that device, and then after that um, you plug it in to because it has like a 3.5 millimeter um jack right like a headphone jack and then you plug it into whatever uh source of sound you know you've got and then after that you just tune in to that station that you indicated there onto the op1 and then use that antenna thing and then after that um you could sample whatever sound you know um you'd like for instance like you could use your phone right and you could sample off phone without having to plug in the thing and at the same time there's like um fidelity issues as well nice. because that you know, gives you some that radio, grit. Right? yeah yeah oh that's so cool do you like move your op1 around while you're sampling sounds and stuff into it uh i've used it as a theremin oh my god that's crazy <laughs> yeah like um remember that the the op1 has a uh what is this um it, it has a gyro scope right it does yes so um, if, if you assign the gravity, I think it's the one with the letter G, right? Yes, I just yes. don't remember. But I think it's um, that's for the gyro. Wow. And then after that, if you assign that to the LFO, um, and then the LFO would be assigned to uh, the note or something. Yeah. And then if you like, move it up and down or like twist it around, it'll change its, you know, its tuning. So yeah. Dang, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think all... OP1 players, you know, at, at some point have heard that this gyro thing exists, but very few, I think, have really taken it to that level, yeah. I think. You know, I think it really is a very, um, I love it, man. It's a very niche, exploratory, experimental tool. I think that's really cool to exploit that. Yeah. Cool, man. And then, yeah. Another, another one would be sampling more than 12 seconds. I don't know if you heard about that, but mm. um, it has a limit, right? You're like, you could only sample right. um, 12 seconds long. But uh, what you could do is uh, the playback of the sample itself that you want to record, right? You could speed it up. Nice. Like twice as long. 
And then, for example, like if if it's only 12 seconds long, and if you speed it up by like 50 percent, then you can get 24 seconds. Wow. But then again, if you if you um, if you start uh, playing with the the what do you call this uh, um, the pitch, okay. right? When you start arranging them in the the keyboard of the OP one. Um, that's where you have to, uh, speed it down or yeah, right. pitch it down. Individual notes, so that, you would then kind of pitch yeah. each of those back down. Yeah. But then you end up with a 24 second sample. That's amazing. Although you'll, yeah. you'll lose, um, you'll lose some of the high end, but, um, to me, of course it's, you know, the more lo-fi, you know, more right. lo-fi, more fun. Cool. That's, <laughs> I love it. I need that on a t-shirt, man. More lo-fi, more yeah. fun. That's awesome. That's cool, yeah. man. Um, so another thing that you do with your OP1 is you do plug in other instruments and you do all sorts of stuff with, uh, from what I've seen, your guitar and from the video, mm -hmm. and we, we'll, we'll pull up another one of your, um, like a snippet of one of your tracks here in just a second. You're using an Ebo on your guitar. Is that somehow going into the OP1 to affect anything? Yeah. Um, what I would do is I'd plug the OP1 in, um, I mean, the guitar into the OP1. And then after that, uh, I would run... I would already have like uh, different effects um, running from the guitar and to my pedal board. And then after that, that would go into the OP1. And then the Ebo, um, I would use it to create like um, an ambient nice. pad that would be like the very first layer um, of it. And then after that, uh, I would use the take function mm -hmm. of the OP1. And then that would be like... Uh, my first input or channel one. And then um, the second would be another note, for instance, like say, if it's like um, uh, mm -hmm. a C major, right? I'm not really sure what the notes are for the C major, but like three notes, right? <laughs> right? Three notes the that would chord, make up yes. C, right? yeah. the chord C. And then, and then that would be like my first, my second and my third channel. And then sometimes I would use the fourth channel uh, or the fourth input of the OP1 um, to make a minor chord and then after that i would just use all the knobs and play with it and to it's just like similar to what you would do with a multi-track oh, um, fading recorder. sounds in Brandon and Brandon. out using the the four tracks yeah. of the op1 that's brilliant interesting yeah. all right well let's let's give it a listen i'm yeah. gonna try and listen out for that and i gotta try to remember to ask about the making of the track before we hear the track so that you know, <laughs> I don't get okay. so tempted later on to just keep playing the track over and over again. <laughs> but let's give it a listen, man. I'm really excited to hear this again um, with fresh ears this time. Once again, this is the Conspiracy Tapes snippet from Ebo and OP1 on Second Operator. Really, really cool stuff. I like the, I, I kind of like the look of it too, black and white. It kind of looks like you're like at an outdoor sort of festival type thing. But um, I was listening really carefully and I can really hear, I can kind of hear that ambient tone that you're kind of bringing in there. Uh, but once that Evo yeah. kicks in, it's got this really crazy, you know, you were talking about theremin. It does have a really interesting, you know, tonal quality. Um, so how did the Evo kind of come around into being one of your, um, 
you know, what, one of the pieces of your arsenal? Um, I think it's more of like, uh, it makes it easier for me to create textures with it because of the different options you've got and how you could play, uh, you know, with harmonics, especially like the high pitched ones, like the lower pitched ones. And, and when, when you, when you mix that all together, then, you know, you're able to create, um, a soundscape that hits, you know, all the frequencies and just, you know, fade it in, fade it out. Like I said, using, um, you know, using the volume knobs and I would normally do that. Um, if I'm just like, if I don't want to bring the multi-track with me, cause it's huge. And, you know, sometimes it's just hard to bring a bunch of gear right. and you're only going to play 30 minutes and, you know, you're not going to be using, you know, most of the stuff. And then at the same time, um, the, the multi-track uh, recorders that I've got are from Japan. So they're all, um, in different voltages. So, wow. you know, instead of like bringing the transformer with me, which is like another oh extra, gosh. you know, yeah. handheld yeah. that you got to bring, right. Um, I would just use the OP one as a multi-track recorder and, um, I would normally just, uh, record, mm -hmm. um, what do you call this? Like different, uh, ambient pads, um, making use of like the whole six minutes that, that the tape thing has. So, yeah. So your tape is completely full the whole time on OP one. Um, most of the time, like, no, I would have like a standard set of, you know, like the usual chords that I would, um, use for, for soundscaping and then probably like maybe two minutes. I would leave like about two minutes for whatever. Wow. So that's but what you would really like loop cool. or whatnot for, for there. Yeah. Oh, that's mm -hmm. really interesting. I'm like, I'm, I'm one of those guys on OP1 that like tries to conserve their tape as much as possible. So I'm like using like maybe 14 <laughs> seconds of it at it. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I really, yeah. I really dig that, you know, again, the discipline here where you're actually committing to recording longer things on your OP1. That's, um, I think some pretty solid advice for, um, for anyone out there, you know, don't be afraid to like really use up that tape. You can always, you know, archive it on your computer later or, you know, save it right. somewhere or, and, and erase it. So that's really cool. So right. pretty much every show you're like erasing the whole tape and, and starting from scratch. Sometimes like, mm -hmm. um, I would reuse, um, you know, whatever, whatever recorded soundscape, mm -hmm. um, what do you call this, uh, line that I have, I would reuse them, um, for like, say two, three shows. And then after that, I'll just like, if I feel like creating an, an entirely different one, I would, but yeah. Cool. Um, I don't, I don't really, how do I say this? I don't really create mm -hmm. on the spot. Um, sometimes it's really hard to just, um, figure stuff out. And that, that also applies with modular synthesis. Um, I was talking to, shoot, I forgot her name. Uh, Sarah okay. Bell Reed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big you name. Heard the great Sarah Bell Reed. So, Shout out. <laughs> um, I was like, I, I messaged her one time and it was funny because she messaged back and I was like, Oh, Hey, it's you. So like we started talking and I was like, how in the hell um, are you able to uh, make your Bukla um, music evil sound like that? Like it's, it's like, um, how do I say this? Uh, it doesn't sound like um, fighting animals or, you know, mating ducks or something. <laughs> Cause that's what, that's how minds would normally sound like, like 90% of the time. <laughs> And then um, I would like practice a patch 
that I would um, bring yeah. to a show, right? And then I wouldn't even remove, you know, the patch cables when I transport, you know, my my, my right. modular rack um, to the venue. And even the knobs would stay the same, right? Uh, what could, um, the sliders right. would stay the same. Like, I wouldn't even touch it anymore. And then by the time I bring it to the show, and that's me who's going to be playing next, and I start listening to it, you know, my headphones, and I'm like, oh, oh, this no. is how it sounded like <laughs> at home, right? And then, and then I was like, so that I take pictures of it, right? I take pictures of it and I would like yeah. reference it to what's actually, um, you know, on, on the, mm-hmm. on the rack. And then I'd say like, Oh, it still looks the same. I mean, it's, it's, you know, completely the same. And then I was just like, I would mess around with it. And then if it still sounds like shit, I would just throw in reverb and delay and hundred yeah. percent wet. And yeah. <laughs> and be up for the win, the man. No, I, I feel you on that, dude. <laughs> That's, um, that's that's good advice. Did you remember what Sarah maybe told you about the Bukla? Um, yeah. What what she? I mean, like, uh, it it was just like us that's slapping awesome. the whole time, <laughs> and then and then I told her that you know I'd like to enroll in mm-hmm. you know one of her courses, and then she told me that yeah you should. Um, and then after that, like I think she sent like a free course wow. over to me, which is um, what I'm oh studying right now. Cool. Um. And that it, it teaches you, um, I mean, like to me, the, the most important lesson that I've learned so far is how to control silence. Oh, interesting. Silence when it comes to, when even when it comes to like ambient music is golden, mm-hmm. right? And it's something that not a lot of artists are able to practice because when, when they play like a noise set, it just goes, you know, like from zero to a hundred <clears throat> in a matter of seconds, right? And it stays that way. But then if you can insert silence, especially in moments wherein um, it's needed, right? Because then, I mean, it, it's straining to the right. ears as well, if, you know, if you just keep hearing stuff over and over again. But then when you insert silence um, in, in crucial moments of, of that song, and then after that, you're able to, um, again, discipline yourself and bringing sounds in and out and in and out and layering them properly, then... You know, you've 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 got yeah, a track. Oh, that's cool. It's it's like adding yeah, dynamics. Yeah, yeah. If you could do that. For like, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I mean, like ebb and flow, and you know, it doesn't have to be like you know all a hundred percent. I the way. really wish more and, um, yeah. like modular artists, noise artists, uh, knew that. <laughs> well, um, it, to me, it's like it's it's been like. I think like four or five years already when I started um, with modular um, synthesis. And it was just lately when I started realizing that um, a lot of silence in between parts would, you know, really mean a lot to um, building up a song. Cool. So, yeah. And again, um, the funny thing is that 90% of the time, I don't even know what I'm doing <laughs> when I play live. And, and I think um, that's probably like the best advice that I could, you know, um, tell the newcomers is that, um, what do you call this? Uh, make sure that you've got something handy already that you could just play. And that would be like probably 80% of all the workload. And then the other 20% is like tinker around and pretend like as if you're doing something. Well, don't pretend, but I mean, like right, you're still right. doing something, right? But then, so at least you wouldn't have to like, you know, fumble around and what do you call this? Uh, try and come up with something and then it'll end up sounding like shit. But if you've already got like, say, um, 
something that you've already recorded, right? And that would come that that would probably be like say, like I said, like eighty percent of the song, and then the other twenty percent, that's cool. what you play live. It's a perform it, right? I think that's solid advice uh, for newcomers to to you know to synthesizers to performing, especially in the modular world. I feel like you know if if you prepare yeah. your stuff beforehand. At, you know, you've done most of the work already. And then, you know, yeah, your knobs are going to be at different settings during your show, but just go with it and and let people see your exploration of whatever came out of um, your preparation. I think that's awesome. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have any advice for the synthesizer community for um, on Instagram? Um, I think like the best thing that mm -hmm. I've, you know, that I've realized over the last two, three months, mm -hmm. um, when I started, um, what do you call this? Uh, when I created that page and then, um, cause when I, when I wrote that album, right. Uh, the one that's going to come out, um, towards the end of the month, when I wrote that album, I didn't really know if I wanted to, if I wanted to share it with, mm -hmm. you know, with people, then I was like, who else is going to listen to it? And I'm pretty sure that, um, I'd want other people to listen to it. Uh, I didn't really know if I should come out with, you know, with, with that, with that page. And then I just decided that, um, I think it's, it's just something that I would like to say, you know, impart, especially, uh, to those who were going through something because when, when I recorded, um, that album, I didn't really think that I'd still be able to play music. And these are like, um, probably like the darkest days that, you know, that I've had like in a very long time. Um, I, there was a, there was that point. Um, I think it was last year when I just boxed everything up and I was like, no, I don't want to play music anymore. And even to a point where, and I was like thinking of like selling, you know, all my instruments and I'm like done with it already. And then after that, um, when, when I just realized that this is something that I just really can't let go of and, um, you know, my passion to create and my, my willingness to, you know, to, to make music, um, for myself. And cause that, that was my only way of, you know, journaling my, my feelings and, you know, the things that I'm, yes. what he calls that I'm experiencing at that time. And then if, if I let people take that away from me, then, you know, I have nothing left. So, so then I recorded the album. I finished it in about, you know, um, three weeks, all seven songs. Um, and then after that, when, when I, when I created that, that page or the Instagram page, I was like, uh, should I, should yeah, I go public yeah. or, you know, whatever, um, and, you know, like, uh, people might not really like it. And, but then I was like, nah, screw it. And then after that, um, the, the good thing about uh, networking with, with different artists and being accommodating to a lot of other artists and um, showing them that, that you really care about their music, um, a lot of these things that you throw at them, I mean, that, that, that you're able to give to them, they'll give it back to you. So um, the, the more people um, who gets to hear, you know, the songs that you, that you make, uh, it's, it's, how do I say this? I mean, it, it, it creates like this, this type of, um, 
forgot the word, but right. I mean, it will radiate eventually, and then nice. it'll just keep growing and growing and growing. And um, I would tell other artists that you know, don't ever stop making music because um, I did at some point, but then now you know I'm back at it because this is the kind of stuff that the world needs to hear. And um, when when you encourage more people to to keep on creating. And you know it'll just it'll just grow, and the more people get to play music, you know, I mean, like sometimes, um, sometimes it's it's hard to just like sift through a bunch of these like new you know artists coming in and whatnot. But that you know at the same time, it's like you were there, and you know at yeah. some point in your life. So I love it. That is solid advice, dude. Keep um, on making. I music. think the encouragement that you know you're giving to newcomers and and then of course receiving from folks you know, in the community, I think that's super important. And I think that's really why that's why I do what I do here on the podcast. You know, I really want to showcase the members of our community and to get them to keep creating. And and I want more people to hear your stuff. And I want more people to hear, you know, everyone uh, who listens to the show, I would love for them to hear all the artists that we have on here. So, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it is great. It's, it's such a gift, um, what you're able to, you know, create and then share with us. So I think that's great um, advice for anyone who wants to, you know, who has their feet wet right now, who's maybe a little bit anxious about yeah. sharing their creations, just like put it out there, man, people are gonna love it. It'll resonate with right. someone, you know, so that's sure, cool. Yeah. So you got that project, the conspiracy tapes is an album. Um, any idea when it might be out on on some of the major uh, platforms? Um, at this moment, um, Rob, who is the owner of Spare Organ, um, the label that I'm signed to, uh, based in California, um, he just sent me the test prints of, um, what do you call this, of the uh, album art and the things that's going to be included in the cassette. Wow. Um, so, hope, and he's actually, he's also started with the um, duplicating process as well for the tape, right? Everything is going to be handmade. Um, only 35 of them will be released. Uh, I think 15 or 10 of them will be in, um, will be with him in the States. So for anyone of you guys who would like to order, um, what do you call the state side? Then yeah, uh, you go through Rob and then he's going to send over 20 here yeah. in Manila. Um, hopefully by the end of the month i'll have the pre-order link on bandcamp um, put up but then the album launch will be on june 10 um so it's just you know a small event of you know um a few friends and family and wow. it's nothing oh, cool. big so yeah and then um i've got the vinyl um release planned as well hopefully for october but I'm not really sure yet if it's going to be like a 12 inch or maybe like a 10 inch. Not, oh, that's you know, awesome. I haven't really thought it out yet, but yeah, the album. Yeah, wow. Be, and just um, so that um, all the, the listeners know where to find this stuff when the pre-orders go, what is your uh, Bandcamp URL? Um, the conspiracy tapes. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Well, that's, that's easy enough. To remember. I'll, I'll put it in the yeah. show notes as well, just so that <laughs> folks have a nice place to click on, um, so yeah. that they can find your stuff. That's awesome. It's a very limited mm -hmm. one. I think that's going to go on really, really well. And, um, this whole vinyl thing sounds really sick. So really excited about that. Awesome. Well, do you have any other shout outs yeah. or anything you want to conclude with before we uh, close? Um, I don't think so. Uh, maybe just like uh what do you call this um yeah uh, go, go to uh nice. spare organ um to check out the other release 
um, of the label. And then um, my music is also on uh, Spotify and Apple Music, uh, even though I don't really want to put it up, you know, you have to. upload it there. But <laughs> for those, for those, yeah, for, you know, for the friends and, you know, for some, some of the friends and family who don't really use Bandcamp, at least they've got a way to like listen to your music. So yeah, you just got to embrace the new thing. And awesome. so there, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. about it. And, you know, thank you. Thank you. Stuff. And, uh, this is something that I didn't really, um, <laughs> expect uh you know like that day that we 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 got to connect i was like oh my god this guy's really cool and um he's really now friendly on the show. And, yeah so no man know, it, so, it was it was nice to find it was nice to find you on um, or just get connected on instagram and stuff i mean you know love what you do with your op1 love what you do with all your you know modular dollar stuff and you know keep it up man i'm really excited to see what's next for sure for yeah. sure and you know, hopefully you get to come here to manila that'd be cool stuff yeah man you know (laughs) but at any rate absolute pleasure having you on the show pal we will catch you next time (laughs) all right right, cheers you You can find pal at conspiracy tapes on sorry at the conspiracy tapes on instagram as well as on bandcamp You've been listening to Second Operator. Thank you so much for joining us on the live stream and being part of this awesome community. I see we had one comment here. Uh, Someone's missed the live. It is recorded. Don't worry about it at all. (laughs) If you do want to get in touch with me, though, with any news or community shout outs, please connect with me on Instagram at second.operator, as well as on Twitter at at sign second underscore operator. You can find us right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash at sign second operator and eventually you'll see us on every podcast uh, plat- on every podcast platform in the universe we're already on apple podcasts and on spotify and on amazon so we're coming for overcast and some of those other ones next if you would like to support our show we are on patreon at patreon.com second operator there are currently two tiers available both tiers get a cool second operator sticker so if you're interested please go check that out it would mean the world to me if you did it would also help grow our podcast and help reach more ears which is what we're all about next week we are going to be interviewing chase Querty, one of my favorite artists coming from i believe it's arizona um he was actually featured on a small operations episode um where they talked about some of the freak Ben stuff at ikea i haven't heard his voice since then so i'm actually really excited to kind of dive into his music and really you know just kind of get to know him a little bit on the air um also get to know some of the amazing stuff he does with op1 and i believe an sp404 uh recently Please keep an eye on my Instagram for more details on that. Thank you so much again for joining. I've been your host, Shines. Catch us next time on Second Operator.